Welcome back to Mi Valle Mi Vida. I am Juan Carmona. And I am Mariana Luna, and we are your hosts. So today we're going to be talking about um, LGBTQ in the Valley for Pride Month in honor of Pride Month. And before we get any further, I just want to apologize for how I sound. Um, I sound a little bit nasally. It's because I'm still getting over a cold that I had all of last week. So I sound a little bit weird, and this is also not the same format we usually use, but we wanted to get this episode out in honor of Pride Month. So we all know, or most of us know, that Pride Month started with the Stonewall Riots that happened June 28th, 1969 in Greenwich Village in the neighborhood of Lower Manhattan in New York City, New York. Um, It was in protest of police brutality against um, the LGBTQ community. And you have very famous figures that come out of New York, such as Martha P. Johnson, a Black, very famous Black trans woman. Um, So we have a lot of that history. It's nationwide, starts up like the real spark of a nationwide movement because Similar demonstrations like Stonewall had happened in the United States before, but Stonewall was really the one to kind of bring everyone together and really recognize um, the LGBTQ community and their presence and their contributions to American society um, and throughout history. So we wanted to do something that honored um, both the LGBTQ community, but also sticking to what we really know. and going over the history of the RGV. So we wanted to do a whole episode on LGBTQ history in the RGV. And um, Juan, do you wanna tell us a little bit about our guests that we interviewed for this episode? Um, Yes, um, you're you're gonna hear from um, two directors that are working on a documentary on the history of LGBTQ in the Valley. Their names are Ronnie Garza and Gabriel Sanchez. And, Gabriel, uh, the first time I met him was at a, uh, he was giving a talk about history in the Valley and about specifically LGBTQ history. And me being a historian, I was just eating up all this new information. Um, So with no further ado, I'm gonna have them introduce themselves and um, let's get this episode started. Um, Hello everyone. Um, Gabriel, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, totally. Hi, my name is Gabriel Sanchez. My pronouns are they, she, and he. Um, I'm a native of the Rio Grande Valley. I grew up in Stark County and Hidalgo County. Uh, I'm involved in a few different projects that work to uh, advocate for, uplift, and support the LGBT community, uh, LGBTQ plus community here in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, and I am also a uh, historian and researcher documenting the history of the queer and trans community in the Rio Grande Valley. And I am uh, co-directing with Ronnie Garza, a um, upcoming documentary on the history of the Valley's LGBTQIA plus community. Ronnie, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? For sure. Uh, my name is Ronnie Garza, and uh, I'm a filmmaker um, and um, kind of border historian um, and uh, just sort of like um, uh, interested in the region in general. Um, the The first documentary um, that uh, worked on, uh, it's called As I Walk Through the Valley, and that uh, documented uh, some of the musical history of the region. Um, kind of a chunk of time, um, kind of similar to the way that we're approaching Pansy um, with uh, about maybe 40 or 50 years worth of, of um, kind of local history um, kind of told um, about like a certain community within the region. Um, 
And then I'm also working on um, on a broader history project called uh, 11,000 Years of History in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, which is uh, more of a survey of the general history of the region that goes back to um, kind of in indigenous history as well, um, uh, up to the present. Okay, Gabriel, I, um, I, the first time I met you, you're giving like a really great early history LGBTQ in the in South Texas and so could you give me a little rundown of that early history up until maybe the you know as close to the present you know just a quick rundown yeah so I'll give a, a quick kind of overview of mm -hmm. a valley LGBTQ plus history obviously this is like probably the topic I'm the most passionate about in the world so I could talk about it forever but I'll, I'll try my best to do like a like a quick uh, a quick summary but yeah I love asking people when I've done presentations in the past on valley LGBTQ plus history how far back they think our presence, you know, is documented in the Valley. And the truth is that we've always existed. Um, a lot of different Native American ethnicities and cultures um, not only uh, accepted, but often celebrated people we would today consider LGBTQIA+. A lot of indigenous cultures had different terminologies and recognized third, fourth, and sometimes even fifth genders, depending on their culture. Um, and so gender diversity and, and sexual diversity were something that were very common in the Americas before colonization. And that's, that's not any different in this region. So there are documented instances in, in Northeastern Mexico and in South Texas of, of people who we would today consider potentially non-binary or transgender or queer. Um, and then later um, ethnic groups that came into, indigenous ethnic groups that came into the region because the Valley has a really interesting history when it comes to the different indigenous groups that were important or are important to the area um, also had you know, documented traditions of, of gender diversity and sexual diversity. Um, so we've always existed. But a lot of that, unfortunately, was not necessarily lost with colonization. I, I don't like to say lost, but um, in, some, by, in some communities, it was suppressed or forgotten. Um, but we, you know, as far as the modern community, you really start to see it take shape. Um, there was a, a few bars um, in Reynosa in the 1940s that had drag shows. Fortunately, we'll probably never know about the lives of the people that performed in those drag shows. Some of them performed to straight audiences. Um, but on this side of the border, we really start to see like a modern LGBTQ plus community take shape in the 1950s and 1960s. It was mostly just queer and trans kids finding each other. A lot of times they were just becoming more, for whatever reason, maybe mirroring trends that were happening nationwide. There were more queer and trans children who were just coming out and being visible and finding each other and building community where they could, whether that was in a public park or under the bleachers at a football game. Um, but we see a lot of these kids kind of forming small communities in their schools. And they were often tortured and, uh, you know, bullied and, and discriminated against, but they continue to find each other. And you see a lot of park public spaces kind of being claimed by the queer community. So Archer Park is a really common one. The McAllen Nature Center is another one. Um, and, and we have some great pictures of queer people kind of hanging out in the monte, for lack of a better word, because there were no other spaces for them. Um, in the early 70s, you start to see uh, more gay bars opening. There were actually quite a few, even going back into the 1970s. Um, there was Duffy's. Uh, later bumpers and the et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and each time a new club opens, you know, some were very short-lived, but the more these clubs were opening, the more you saw the growth of a very visible, more organized community. A lot of that had to do with drag and, and drag performers. Um, you started to see the growth of a really vibrant, um, really active drag community in the Valley. And that often gave people not just a space to perform, but a space to belong. You saw the creation of drag families that kind of took the place of biological families of origin that rejected people. And you really see that grow into the early 80s. Then when the AIDS crisis hits in the mid to late 80s in the Valley, it really changes the face of the community in a lot of ways. You start to see um, a lot more uh, what we would think of as activism, right? 
a lot of um, community support groups that form, a lot of efforts both in and out of the club scene to support people who are living with or dying of age-related complications. Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you start to see a lot of student activism, a lot of students kind of like more uh, being more bold and more visible about claiming space and, and forcing Valley schools to accommodate them. Um, and you see a lot of really bold student activism. Um, you also see the growth of a really visible trans community in the 90s. The trans community had always been a part of the larger LGBT community. Um, but unfortunately, with that, you also see kind of a wave of violence targeting that community in the 1990s. And that's something that we look at in the documentary. Um, and then um, in the present, you see, you know, there's been, I think, in the last few years, a real growth in terms of the organization of the community and the visibility of the community. But we owe, you know, everything we're able to do now to those people who had the you know, the, the courage to be visible and authentic and to live as themselves when that carried so many risks. And so I think there is a through line between what's going on now and what took place in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Thank you for, so much for that quick rundown. I know it's a lot, like as a historian, yeah. I, want, I could talk forever on any <laughs> subject because I got to go all the way back to this day. Um, let me move over to Ronnie. Can you tell me a little, tell us a little bit about, you know, what the film's called and the inception and the idea where you got, you know, why, why you got started on that topic? Um, well, uh, uh, me and uh, me and my co-director for uh, the last documentary, um, uh, me and Charlie uh, Vela, we were um, screening as I walked through the valley, and at that time, uh, Gabriel was starting to write about uh, some of uh, the research uh, that um, uh, they're just talking about right now, um, and um, uh, in in a in a local publication. So I saw. I saw uh, um, the, these stories and I saw some images, uh, some of the, the pictures and, um, thought that it would make a really interesting, um, uh, follow-up, um, to, uh, to the music doc. Um, again, kind of a similar, um, uh, timeframe it, it sort of looked like is, is what was, is, is what, um, uh, uh, from the photos, it seemed like nineties to eighties and, you know, probably could stretch further back. Um, so, um, so we, we, um, approached, uh, Gabriel and, uh, uh, you know, just, um, kind of took it from there. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a, a really, um, wonderful experience. Um, and, um, uh, I've learned so much about, uh, this history that, uh, I was unfamiliar with and, um, uh, met so many, uh, of the, of the people who, um, uh, who kind of built that community. Um, so, um, so it's, it's been a, a really wonderful, um, I think, um, overall, uh, kind of filmmaking experience. Um, I'm really excited, uh, for what, um, it's starting to look like in terms of the stories that are coming together and, uh, what the picture starting to look like. Um, and uh and i'm very um uh like i want people to see it um i'm very interested in people uh checking out the 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 new movie so uh hopefully we'll be done soon um um we keep on saying kind of soon but we we want to make sure to take care uh and tell these stories um you know with uh with uh with all the sort of um um uh, importance that they that they sort of deserve and stuff like that so you know we we, we just want to make sure it's as best as it could be and and um it'll be it'll be uh it'll be available soon you know like um i'm just i'm very excited for people to see it so uh in general uh, um that's that's kind of been my 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 takeaway from the thing and and like i said i learned a lot i can talk about various different uh, aspects of the film but um but in general, it's been uh, it's been great, kind of just uh, being able to to hear these stories and and to try to 
um, convey them, you know, to, to, to sort of give a voice uh, uh, to this community. Um, could you say the title of the film just so people know what to look for when it does? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So um, the title of the film comes from the first Pride event uh, that we, um, um, that I think, I think that's what, that's actually what Gabriel was writing about the, the first time that, uh, that I sort of learned about the, the, the research and stuff, but the Pansy Pachanga is the name of the film. Um, and, uh, it, it gets its name from the kind of culminating event at the first pride. Um, and, uh, which was called the Pansy Pachanga. So, so just, just seemed like a great, uh, uh, a great title and, um, yeah, and, and kind of just a callback. Yeah. And alliteration is great. And it's very Valley cause it's like a Spanish word and an English word and they're both kind of archaic, you know? So it's like, you know, how much more Valley can you get? Yeah. Ariana, do you have any que- a question or two? Yeah, I do actually. So um, I follow the social media for Pansy Pachanga and also um, I believe yours, Ronnie's also um, 11,000 years in history. Um, so I follow both of those and I love the post. Like I, I like I'm also a history nerd. So um, it's like whatever. Right? It's what I do on a daily basis. Um, but actually, I wanted to know if um, ever since launching your social media um, presence for Pansy Pachanga and also um, your account, Ronnie, um, have people come to you to like um, add any of their own experiences of the LGBTQ community here in the Valley that you previously didn't know about? And are you going to add some of that experience in the film? Um, go, whoever wants to take that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can start running or hey, yeah, Gabriel. Yeah. 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 So definitely. I think when we first started, there was, a, you know, the, I think the Instagram for Pansy Pachanga especially has kind of taken on like a life of its own, like, because it has, you know, there's just like a lot of history that's documented on there. That's obviously not all going to fit in the movie. Um, and so it's a really good opportunity to share some of these like really inspiring or interesting stories that, that come from this really rich community here. Um, but yeah, definitely. There have been people that we um, found out about, through through the social media especially in the initial stages people that reached out to us and then we were like you know we should try to work this story in um and and there was a lot more that we found out as we started you know so we went in with a pretty clear idea of a lot of the history that i'd you know been researching beforehand um but in the process of filming we've discovered a lot more too um and yeah there's people that have reached out to with just like really cool pictures that have made their way into the documentary um some of my favorite pictures were just people on the instagram being like here it is and they didn't necessarily want to be interviewed um, but they they had this really cool picture from like the evolution in the 1970s or 10th Avenue in, in the early 90s. I remember somebody sent me a picture from a drag competition in 1976 at a bar called Toys that I didn't even know existed. It was so short lived. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, and there's also kind of like a little community that forms around around the social media, um, you know, like the diehard followers. And it's really great to see. And, and some people who like share their own experiences with some of the venues that we talk about or their memories of seeing some of the drag queens that we talk about. Um, there's a drag queen I've shared a lot about named Keisha Ross. And I met her when I was a kid and just seeing her be so authentically herself was like a huge impact for me as a person. And I really wanted to go back and document her story. And I found out she'd, she'd passed away. Um, and just seeing people's memories of her or, or other people who were killed, um, you know, or taken from us too young. Ronnie, is there anything you want to add to that? Um, not much. I mean, definitely check out those, those, uh, those Instagrams at Pansy Pachanga and at RGV History. Um, some folks have approached me with some, some, um, uh, kind of like tidbits here and there. Um, but, um, 
I do feel like th- that project is still a little bit on the new side. And so I haven't put out everything yet. And so that's still, that one's still kind of like developing. Um, but, um, but definitely every once in a while people reach out uh, with, uh, with uh, interesting uh, detail here and there. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah. I, I want to say like well, when we ran the, the uh, series related to Jillian's uh, film, some of the Jewish, the crypto Jewish history, uh, when we did some of those posts, uh, some people reached out uh, with some uh, with some like um, things to look at, some some names and some other people to kind of like consider as as to um, uh, 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 some other crypto Jews that that were of interest in this region and stuff like that. So de- definitely every every once in a while people reach out. I will say um, when you stream pieces of it, it knocks the the house focal. What was it like right before the pandemic? I was like, I think that was the last event anyone attended. Then there was the big pandemic. Um, uh, for those who don't know, that's National Association of Chicano Chicano Scholars, Tejas Foco, which is like the Texas region. And um, it happened to be in McAllen. The, the, I think it was like the year right before everything shut down, right before spring break. And right. I know there were students there and they were so into the clips you were playing. And so like you definitely sparked a lot of interest in them. They were, they were like, we can't wait to see more of this. They really enjoyed the clips that you showed, you know, in your, in your presentation. So I will say you have, you know, people eager to see more. Um, one question I do want to ask, um, because as a historian, that's the thing I love. Is there something that you found like just blew your mind that you had no idea a story like, you know, I thought I knew this, but no idea about this. I think there's been quite a few. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I yeah, there's I just think that like the amount of people who are willing to live, you know, authentically and visibly as themselves without fear at or maybe they had fear, but they kind of like pushed through that fear at a time when being an out queer person or an out trans person carried so many more social consequences is, is constantly inspiring. But there are a lot of, you know, facts that kind of like just just blew my mind. So even something I found out fairly recently um, so there's two things that come to mind, Ronnie, that I can share. And then if, if you want to add anything, but, um, so one of the people we interviewed and it's, it's an amazing interview and Ronnie act- and Charlie actually interviewed her for the last documentary is Angela Garza, who was a very like, uh, uh, important figure in the local punk music scene. And she plays in a band called Angela and the Exes and in several other bands. Um, and she was inspiring to a lot of like queer women who came of age in the nineties and two thousands. Um, and she actually had a queer uncle who was uh, died of uh, in 1975 and under kind of like you know of a really quick illness that that came on suddenly and no one really knows what it was. Um, and she has these great pictures of him and his friends just kind of like hanging out in the monte. Um, and to see like those early documentations was something I didn't think we'd we'd be able to find. Um, you know, from like a very early 70s before there were even gay bars in the valley. And recently, when I did a presentation at the library with with Jillian Glantz, who Ronnie mentioned, um, I showed one of the pictures and two women came up afterwards to say, you know, and I always say a lot of this history is just coming from oral history, which is really beautiful, but it can be really contradictory and it can, it takes a lot of work to kind of piece it all together. So I'm probably saying something that, you know, someone might correct me later. And they came up to me and they said, you know, my brother and my cousin were in there and they weren't gay to our knowledge, but they were migrants. And they did tell us a story about going to a drag show at a migrant camp, that there were a bunch of Valley folks uh, in the early seventies or late sixties, that there were a bunch of Valley folks who were, uh, at a migrant camp somewhere up north and that there was a drag show that went on, but oh, the women weren't allowed to attend, only the men. So how that picture ended up in the hands of this man who died in 1975, who did drag, it's a, it's a fa- you know, like it's, it's a really fascinating thing. Um, and I, I have interviewed, we've interviewed people who, a lot of people who are queer and trans and also migrants. Uh, one of the first interviews I ever did 
was of my my gay uncle who was a migrant who grew up in Rico Grande City and Donna in the 1960s. He informed a lot of the work I did later. Um, and then something else that really blew my mind is I have another uncle who I talk about all the time, probably too much, but in, when I do these interviews, uh, but he was murdered in 1992. And I grew up just knowing that he was gay and that he'd been murdered. I didn't know about this like rich life he lived. And in the process of doing this research, I found out that he was a huge, played a huge role in really cultivating the local drag scene, that he helped plan the first Pride, um, that the kickoff event was actually at one of his bars, um, that he was the first queer person to own a queer bar in the Valley, um, and that he lived this like rich, amazing life that his family didn't really know about. Um, and so that's also been on a personal level, really, really beautiful. So um, the one the one thing that always sticks out to me when I kind of think back on, on the interviews is that um, we got to meet a close personal friend of Gloria Anzaldúa. We got to uh, hang out with Randy Connor for a few hours and interview him. Uh, and it was really like an honor um, just to have that conversation. Um, you know, he was so smart. And uh, I, I liked some of the some of the insights that he gave us into kind of Gloria's character and stuff like that. I felt like uh, I, I, I felt like she felt a lot more familiar after we talked with with him. Uh, it seemed like kind of a nerdy sci-fi geek kind of kind of kind of person that I would, you know, have gone to high school with or, you know, like a new growing, growing up or something like that. So that, that was really, really nice. Um, and um, I don't know. I mean, just so many of these really uh, amazing stories. I don't know. I mean, it's just like, there's so many really cool stories that, that we got to kind of uncover. So it's hard to, it's hard to kind of pick one or, or, or others, but like the glorious stuff definitely stands out to me. Um, okay. Um, thank you so much for sharing, you know, your stories and your project. I'll definitely, when we post this up, we'll, we'll put links to the, you know, the hashtag for Instagram and, and, and your, any other links or whatever you can email me or send message me just to make sure I can connect them all. So we can share bro- the broader history, follow the Instagram and stuff like that. And then, so people who are interested in the film can also know more when it, you know, as it, as you, as it progresses. Um, if there, is there anything you guys want to add before we go ahead and in, in this uh, interview? Well, I would say, you know, also check out As I Walk Through the Valley, if you haven't seen it yes. already, um, the musical history of the region, uh, kind of like the rock music, the birth of punk uh, and uh, stuff like that. So it's, it's very proud of that. And it also tells part of the history of the, of the place as well. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I love that documentary as well. And yeah, I just wanted to add, you know, it's Pride Month. It's important to celebrate. It, it is a celebration, but it's more than just a party. It's more than just like buying rainbow things. Although I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we we as a community have earned the right to celebrate ourselves and, and to just celebrate in general because we've survived so much. But it's also an opportunity to reflect on exactly what it is we're celebrating. And we're celebrating a lot of the resilience and the um, creativity and the uh, endurance and, and just like the strength that our community has had to embody just to survive. Um, and I think that that is something that's really important to remember, especially now, because we're still under attack, unfortunately, in the state of Texas by lawmakers, by violence, by people targeting trans children. Um, and so I think what I hope this documentary does is it gives people an idea of how, just how much we have to be proud of, just how much, how many of these stories of, of, of just these really incredible people in the Rio Grande Valley there are. Um, and, um, one one plug, I'll be doing a, uh, I've done it in previous years, uh, an exhibit on LGBTQ plus history um, at the island uh, for, for the Valley's Pride this year um, on June 25th. I don't know if this will be out in time, but. 
just wanted to let people know about that. Yeah, I, I plan on getting this out um, probably hopefully by the end of the week. So um, I just need to re- we just need to record some a little bit more. But yeah, I want to get it out quickly in the middle of Pride. Right. right. But thank you so much for your time and for your knowledge and um, just sharing your stories. Yeah, thank well, you so thank much you for having guys. us. Yeah. Okay, and wrapping things up, is there anything else you want to add, Adiana? Uh, yeah, so um, just, you know, to enjoy the podcast, listen, and keep an eye out for uh, the documentary that they were talking about at Pandi Pachanga on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we'll link all their socials so you can keep up with that. We'll link Ronnie's socials. Um, also for all the other work he's also done um, and you know continue to support LGBTQ youth and people here in the valley and like just a reminder that they're and just a reminder to support LGBTQ youth um, and people in the valley you know give them support they are human too and they have existed in history for a long time as you can hear in the interview. And that's what we wanted to um, just highlight in this episode. Yeah, I just want to, you know, reiterate what um, Ariana said, um, you know, let, you know, support them, you know, um, and, you know, j- try to attend maybe some of the pride events that are happening throughout the Valley. Um, and hopefully we'll see this documentary soon. Look out for Pansy Pachanga. Um, like I mentioned in the interview, uh, was at a, we were at a conference, saw some clips and everyone really enjoyed it and wanted to hear more of that history. Um, and like, you know, it's part of the history of the world, it's part of the history of the valley, and, you know, it's something that we always want to highlight, the history of the world and the valley, because the valley is always interconnected worldwide. So, um, until next time, we love you, RGV. Love you, RGV.